Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Amen. Very good to be with you. Today's message is called Goodness Times Infinity. Goodness times infinity. We're looking at Psalm 45, verse 1, verse. Psalmist writes this, My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. He said, My heart is overflowing with the goodness of the king. Then I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. From the Passion Translation, it says this. Paul says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Very, very powerful there. Finally, Psalm 136. Um, I'll explain it in a moment. Let me just read a couple of passages from it. Psalm 136, verse 1. This is an antiphonal Psalm. This is this is a song. An antiphonal song is like you say you sing something and then people sing something back. You know, we do that sometimes here. So this is what Psalm 136 is. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And the people say, For his mercy endures forever. We sang about it a few minutes ago. Verse 2. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. And the people say, For his mercy endures forever. Verse three, oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. And the people say, for his mercy endures forever. Then you skip down to verse 10, because we're singing about the mercy of God, right? Verse 10, to him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. And the people said, for his mercy endures forever. Down to verse 17, to him who struck down great kings, mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings. Verse 19, Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. See, here's the point. So sometimes we're talking last week, and I, 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 I could not get away from that word loving kindness. I couldn't get away from that thought about the word I taught you last week, chesed, the Jewish or the Hebrew word that means loving kindness, but it means more than that. We'll talk about it in a second. And suddenly I'm reading this psalm the other day in a devotion, Psalm 136. And the word there that they're elevating, his mercy endures forever, is the word chesed. It's that covenant action. And sometimes we think of mercy as God says, aw, you poor thing. Aw, come here, baby. Let me give you a hug. The Bible says that when God saw what Egypt was doing to his kids. His loving kindness went into action to kick some booty. That God in his mercy, we're singing about the mercy of God here, the whole Psalm, and it's talking about the firstborn of the Egyptians all died. It's talking about kings were slaughtered. Kings were destroyed. My friends, if you think that the mercy of God is just his little, 
giving you a hug once in a while. And, and listen, his hugs are special. Don't misunderstand me. We need that intimacy with God. But I'm telling you, even greater than that, it's like a father. It's like, you ever heard somebody say, uh, be careful if you see a, a, a bear cub, you know, out in the forest because mama's not far behind? This is the instinctive parental nature of God that goes into action. That's his loving kindness and his tender mercy. It's tender toward you and me as his kids, but it's fearsome to those who are the enemies of God. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Let your word come forth today in power and show us your glory. Show us your loving kindness. There are people here, Lord, and watching today that need you to fight for us, you to fight for them. They need, we need you to stand up against our enemies in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. When you think of the mercy enduring forever, you don't usually think of beatdowns and slaughters. But let me just tell you that God takes it personally. When somebody attacks you, God says they've touched the apple of his eye. And he goes into action. We've been talking about focusing on God's goodness. We said that when you focus on God's goodness, faith comes alive. Talking about loving kindness, chesed, it means that God's goodness, kindness, and faithfulness are inextricably linked and interact with strength, steadfastness, and covenant love. That's God's nature. And I dare say that some of you that are very, very sweet and quiet, timid people, even introverted people, if somebody started to harass your kids, we would see a different side of your personality. We would see a different side of your nature. There are two things that in the world, you don't touch somebody's kids or say something about them negative, and you don't touch people's money wrong, right? Because in those things, you're gonna get a fight, even with nice people. Our God's loving kindness is expressed in the action that he takes to fight for you, to stand with you, to to go into uh, everything he needs to do. God comes in power and is moved into action by his own loving kindness. That explains why Jesus, the Bible said, was so moved with compassion when he saw the people were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus wasn't just moved into, aw, come here, baby. Come here, let me give you a hug. He was moved into action to go to the cross to disarm principalities and powers, to take authority. The Bible says he made an open spectacle of demons and showed them for what they were, powerless imps. And he embarrassed them, Colossians says, by what he did. He moves into action. Now the psalmist wrote, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. You only get an overabundance of good when you're filling up with good thoughts, good images, not just positive. I'm not talking about positive things. I'm talking about power thoughts from the word of truth, promises that are yours, that are yes and amen. 
things that are said in the word that are given as promises of God that you have a right to take through the name of Jesus as your own and believe those things. You only get the, the overabundance of the good. You only get that overflow of a good theme when you're feeding on the goodness of God. Let me ask you this. What's overflowing in your heart lately? What's trying to get at you? What's trying to bother you? What keeps you up at night? Or what keeps you from going back to sleep when you first wake up in the morning and, and you're trying to get the, lay down and go back to sleep? What's overflowing in your heart? Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So if you ever want to know the true condition of what's swirling around inside you, you can monitor your heart by what comes out of your mouth. What's your language like lately? And I'm not talking about just language profanity or not profanity. I'll mention that in a moment, but that's not, I'm talking about what kind of language is faith coming out of your heart or is fear coming out of your heart? Are you, are you constantly focused on the negative, the glass half empty? Are you constantly focused on what you don't have? Jesus, we are so blessed in this life. We are so blessed in this life. And the problem is all we can see sometimes when we're under attack is what we don't have. Do you know if do you know if you have a if you have a a house to live in, transportation to and from work, and a decent job, you are in the upper two percent of people financially in the world. But we don't think of it that way. We think of what we want, what we don't have. I'm telling you you are already blessed. You're already more blessed than you think you are. But what's overflowing? What kind, of, what kind of recitation is your heart overflowing with? Are you overflowing with the good theme? Are you overflowing with the goodness of God? What's your language like? Especially when you get under pressure. What, you know, Matthew 15, 11 from, the, from God's word translation, Jesus said that this, what goes into a person's mouth doesn't make him unclean. It's what comes out of the mouth that makes a person unclean. Now, foul language was extremely out of bounds in my home growing up, pun intended. Foul language out of bounds. Anyway, never mind. There was, a, there was no gray area with my mom regarding cussing of any kind, especially using the Lord's name in vain. My mom is still, she's 83, about to be 84. She's still very very sensitive. And that got in me as her son. <clears throat> that, that was something that when, uh, when I was in school, I, mean, I didn't hear bad language around the house. And obviously a bunch of my friends did because they were teaching me. <laughs> and what happened was my mom just put it in me. I remember one time in our neighborhood, uh, one kid's uh, mother heard us talking and apparently I said a bad word and that neighbor lady went to my mom and told my, and my parents were both teachers. That's, a, that's an issue, okay? Because they hear the language of the kids all the time. So my mom, after dealing with kindergartners all day long, she wasn't one to mess around with me and my sister at home, okay? It, it was, here's, the, here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. And so this lady came and told on me that I said one bad word. And you'd have thought that I kicked the family cat. You'd have thought I did something heinous. 
Now, I will say that when my mom gets really, really mad, she has a way of cussing without cussing. <laughs> the, the angriest I've ever seen my mom, she has said, she, 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 I, I have no idea. Now, she was raised by uh, her grandmother who was born in the 1800s. She was raised by her even as, as she was very old. And she, she was very prim and proper. She was a teacher and she was very... Uh, Victorian, let's put it that way. And uh, so my mom's way, when she got, if she said, Hell's Bells and General Jackson, (laughs) it was on. Like, you better run for cover. I still don't know what that means. I don't even know why we would even mention General Jackson today except for the $20 bill. But apparently her grandmother said that if she was really furious, Hell's Bells and General Jackson, I have no idea. All I know is that that kind of thing got inside of me and my mouth was pretty clean. I wasn't, you know, I, I, I cussed with the best of them at, at times, but I always felt convicted about it. I just, uh, you know, I, I, it was probably the Holy Spirit and my mom, you know, dealing with me. But I briefly went to work uh, in my early 20s in the tire business. My father-in-law used to own a retread factory down here in Bellevue called BP Tires over on 95th Street. And I worked for him for a while and the language around the tire shop was something I'd never heard before. And some of you that have worked around different places, you know, certain industries are just a little more vulgar than others. <clears throat> the the, the tire business, apparently, uh, you know, they were, they, they, they were dealing with something. Anyway, they had issues. And, and so there was a lot of stuff there. <clears throat> so it was right when I first got saved and in a local church, I started to really get on fire for God. And I had this war going on in me because I was trying to fit in with the guys in the tire business. So I'd go to work and I'd cuss with them because... <laughs> That's what they did. That was the whole oikos, the whole people group. And then I'd, then I'd go to church and, I'd, and I was learning, you know, words like, you know, praise the Lord when something good happened. Praise, praise God. I never heard praise God. I never heard the extremes of either thing in my house. We, we just kind of, we just, you know, we, we, we certainly, uh, my parents certainly loved God, but it wasn't part of our vernacular to give him praise every time you got a good parking spot at Publix. <clears throat> Anybody know what I'm talking about? So suddenly I'm with these people that are like, I mean, they're praising God for everything. And these, these people, are, they're, they're praising the devil all day long as far as I know. I don't mean, they're, they're just, it was just foul and vulgar. And, and thank God there weren't any women that worked there because it, it would have been a very uh, tough place to work. But suddenly this language war was going on inside me And the Holy Spirit just started to deal with me about a language of praise, about a language that that I needed to watch my mouth more than what my mom said, that that something needed to change from the inside out. Not just me keeping the rules, but something was happening inside of me where I I didn't want that. And I felt so uncomfortable because I kept, I'd put one foot in the, in the, in the world and one foot in the church and one, and, and eventually, you know, you got to make a decision. 
Because you can't, the Holy Spirit won the war, okay? He won the battle. But here's the kingdom principle. The kingdom principle is this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right? I want to circle back to last week when we honored a couple for their anniversary. I just said something about this, but this thing got in me all this week, and I want to kind of teach on it a little bit. And here's a kingdom principle that will change your life. You will attract what you honor. You will attract what you honor. When you focus on God's goodness, his goodness begins to flow in your direction. Now, the, the converse is also true. That if you honor, think about the extremes. I was thinking about this. Um, you'll attract what you honor. If you idolize something and love something more than you love God, not only is that the Ten Commandments, but that's a kingdom principle because you attract what you worship. You attract what you honor. And what happens is, I was thinking about this. Um, remember Anna Nicole Smith that died tragically a few years ago? Her, her idol was Marilyn Monroe. She even did the same pose in the, you know, the dress that blows up over the grate, the steel grate. And, and, and yet she died just like Marilyn Monroe. You got uh, Chris Farley, not this guy right here, comedian Chris Farley. His idol was John Belushi. He died just like John Belushi. He lived like him, then he died like him. I'm telling you, what you give honor to, what you, what you give your heart of worship toward, you will attract in the good or the bad. That's why the Bible says, flee idolatry, guard your heart, gird up the loins of your mind. Guard your heart from loving anything more than you love God, even good things. I love my family, but, I've, but God is first. I love my wife passionately, but God is first. And that there's constantly, you have, to, you have to recalibrate that from time to time and season to season because you can get so dependent on people that you're, that you're putting them ahead of God and then you're in trouble. When we are praising God, what are we praising? We are praising his essence, his glory. And according to uh, Exodus 33, his glory is his goodness, his grace, and his mercy, and the power of his name. His chesed is his essence. It's who he is. His loving kindness is better than life. We are when we're focusing this month on his goodness and just talking about the goodness of God, don't let it be the cliche where we just say God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And we just go, ah, like a parrot could say that and not have their heart in it and not, and not get anything from it. It's not the words of your mouth alone, it's the meditation of your heart. What are you dwelling on? What are you thinking about? What are you worried about? You ever seen somebody that's, that's all uptight and tense and you say, what's eating you? It literally is. Thoughts, mindsets, imaginations, things you're thinking about 
that the enemy shows you or your flesh shows you that have nothing to do with the truth of God or his word or his promises. It doesn't have to be where you're headed, you have, you, but you have to grab a hold of your mind, grab a hold of your thoughts again. His glory is his goodness. And Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. God said, then I'll make all my goodness pass before you. You can't see God apart from his goodness. When we seek his face, we're seeking his goodness. We're seeking his presence in our lives. Habakkuk 2.14 says this, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge or the experiencing of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's God's will. God's will is that, the, that, that his glory, his goodness will be seen around the world more than you see ocean water. But here's the other part of the truth. You will repel what you dishonor. You will repel what you dishonor. When you speak against something, you're, you're already pushing it away, even if, and especially if it's something good, you don't wanna do that. When you speak badly about something or someone, you put out a vibe of rejection in the spirit. That's why Ecclesiastes 10, verse 20 from the message says this, don't badmouth your leaders, not even under your breath, and don't abuse your betters, even in the privacy of your home. That's interesting. Why? Because loose talk has a way of getting picked up and spread around. Little birds drop the crumbs of your gossip far and wide. You ever, you ever, you ever walked up, um, you ever walked into a room and two people are standing there and you feel like something's, something's off. Like they're fighting. You don't hear them fighting, but you walk into a room where there's tension and you can feel the tension, can't you? What is that? That's the power of words. That's the power of words being communicated, angry words. The Bible says, make no friendship with an angry man lest you also be like him. Angry words have power, so do good words, so do, so do blessings. Cursings have power, blessings do too. But what you put out there, when you, when you dishonor something or someone, you actually become repulsive to that thing. And so that's why I caution you to be careful what you dishonor with your language. What you, if, listen, Pastor Chris hit it earlier when he's talking about the woman with the issue of blood. You know, she said to herself, the Bible says, I, I will touch the hem of his garment and I will be whole. She spent all she had going to doctors and she did press through the crowd. But what happens to the other people? So, so what happens if somebody comes in and they keep saying, well, I don't, you know, I just don't believe in healing. I just don't believe, I don't believe he heals, God heals today. Well, you can have that. And if you believe it and you speak it, then that's where your faith is. So if you, if you, if you dishonor healing, then you don't have to have it. it you repel it. That's where people have that attitude Pastor Chris was talking about. Well, if God wants to heal me, he knows where I live. You know, let him show up with a lightning bolt. That's not how God does it. God works through people 
God works through people and situations. We'll talk more about that next week. But the, but the fact of the matter is, you've got to begin to watch your mouth, watch your language, because you will have more of what you honor and you'll have less of what you dishonor. It's just kingdom principle. Honor God. You must experience God and his goodness for yourself. <clears throat> this is a great thought. This is a great scripture. Some of you have heard it a thousand times, but you haven't really thought about it. Psalm 34, verse eight. Oh, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. What does that mean? Your trust of God begins with one taste. One taste, one experience, one moment where you actually come in and say, and go beyond, well, that's somebody else's thing. You know, it's like when you hear people's language, uh, people will drive by here and say, that church. But if, you, if, if you're here and they know you're here, then they'll say, your church. Then they come in sometimes and they see it and they say, the church. It's interesting when the language, here we received new members this morning, there's a real shift in language when it becomes my church. This is my church. This is our church. This is my family. This is our family. Not this is the church or that church. It's our church. It's my church. When it becomes that, when that shift happens in your language, it's shifting in your heart. And when that happens, that's when the covering works. That's when you're covered. That's when you feel protected and nurtured. Not that you don't go through bad stuff, but that you understand. You've tasted the Lord and his goodness for yourself. You can't just go, you, you, you can't go on everybody else's taste. You can't go on everybody else's flavor. Some people like broccoli and some people like me do not. I better not go any further than that. So here's the problem. People say, they'll say, well, I would, I'll give my life to God when I can understand him. <clears throat> okay, well, I don't have a clue how the iPhone works, but I use it every day and I never once questioned how the darn thing works. I just say, how does this app work? How do I do this, that, and the other thing? A lot of people have this attitude, well, if I can understand God, then I'd, I'd worship it. I'd honor him if I could understand. No, he wants to be believed and trusted. You don't have to understand everything. He's God. You, in fact, you will never understand everything about God. Just when you think you haven't figured out, he's gonna reveal another facet of his nature and it's gonna blow your mind because that's what God does. <clears throat> Religion says, I can figure God out. Relationship says, I'm gonna trust him even though I don't understand him in everything he says and does. I'm gonna believe his word and I'm gonna trust God. Amen? Amen? You still awake? Everybody happy? A couple more moments and we're done. <clears throat> Listen, God's glory is expressed in his goodness toward his people. When people look at your life, 
What do they see? How do they, what's their concept of God if you're the only Christian they know? Say it again. <clears throat> what's people's picture? What do they think God is like if you're the only child of God that they have a relationship with? Because it could get very skewed, can't it? If you're the one, if, you're, if I'm still playing the game and I'm out there in the world, I can't go any further than that. Sorry, it's 62. I don't want hip replacement surgery. Thank you. If you're still out there playing the game, if you're a student in school and you're out there, you know, running, running and trash talking with, with everybody else on the, on the team, and then you come in and, you, and you're just playing the game here with us and how, praise the Lord. Oh, this is, oh yeah, I'll lift my hands but you're out there waving your hands around with other things. You have to understand that, that there's an inconsistency there. And at some point, part of, part of the blessing of the goodness of God is that you get in one heart, in one mind with him. The Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him that you become intertwined in your inner man with the Holy Spirit. Not that you're perfect, not that you're robotic, religiously robotic. No, that's not what he's after. <clears throat> he's after reality of relationship. But the Lord delights in revealing his goodness to the world through you. You are his advertisements, you read in Ephesians 1. You're his advertisement as to how the father takes care of his kids. When people look at your life, if you're constantly talking about your struggle, and we all have struggles from time to time, but God's best is not that you live in struggle forever in every area of your life. That's not God's best. How does that bring God glory? If you're struggling in every facet of your life and you're talking about it at work every day, yeah, you know, this is going on and that's going on. You know, like I said, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'd rather be Tigger than Eeyore, right? Tigger bounces everywhere, and, and, and Eeyore, how's it going? Well, lost my tail again. You know? That's the way life is. But you've got you to make a choice at some point and not wait on the perfect day where there's no problems to be Tigger. You got to learn to jump and bounce when, you're when you lost your tail. You got to learn to carry yourself because in your heart, and that's what the point of this whole month has been, God is good. I know it like I know my name. I know it deep in my knower. No matter what just happened, no matter what's going on, no matter what somebody said about me, no matter what's going on with all the situations and circumstances, that he's good all the time, for real. Not in the cliche sense, not in the religious chatter sense, but he has your best interest at heart and I think we sang earlier, if it's not good, he's not done. If it's not good yet, he's not done with it. Walk this thing out. All good gifts don't just come from above. They come from above. But from who? From the Father. 
of lights. Everything good in this life, in this world, in this experience comes from God the Father because he is good. And when you elevate God's goodness, he will infuse you with the heart of a warrior. When you elevate his goodness, when you are focusing, when you're saying, God, you're good. We sang about it earlier. You are good and your mercy endures forever. He reveals his lion-like nature to his enemies. God will roar through your life if you will elevate and worship him and praise him for his goodness while you're still in the storm, while you're still in the challenge, while it still doesn't feel right, when it's still a mess, when it's out of order. Trust him anyway. I don't have time to preach it, but 2 Chronicles 20, most of you, many of you know the story. King Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah are under attack. They find out there's a conspiracy from three invading countries that hate each other, but they're going to team up to come against them. And they've set an ambush for them in what became known as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat sets the nation to seek God. We're going to fast, we're going to pray, because if we don't have a breakthrough here, we're going to be annihilated and we're going to, re- we're, we're going to cease to exist as a, as a tribe, as a team. They set themselves out. The word of the Lord comes to one of the psalmists, <clears throat> one of the minstrels, and he said, hey, God says, stand still. You're going to see the salvation, Lord, for who is with you, for you're not going to need to fight in this battle with you know, catapults and swords and spears. You're not going to need to fight in this battle in the natural, for God says this is his battle and he's going to fight for you, right? Now, Jehoshaphat says, all right, here's the strategy. God is, God is saying we're going to send in the praisers first. We're going to send in the worship team first. You're going to go praise God in the middle of the ambush field. And we're going to see what God does. But not only that, he arms him. He arms them. Here's what we're going to sing about. The chesed of God. And I didn't realize till this week, that's the word when they sing, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. They're saying his loving kindness is about to kick your butt. His loving kindness is about to take care of my enemies. His loving kindness in loving me, fighting for me, is about to take care of these people who are trying to take me out and take me down. And by the time I get there and I lift up that loving kindness of God, those enemies, you know what happens, some of you that are newer, I'll tell you the story because it's an awesome ending. Basically, these three armies are coming at each other. The plan is surround Judah and we're going to come at you, and we're going to take you down and ambush you in this valley. When the praise goes up, the Bible says that the enemies of God and the enemies of Judah begin to get confused. That's what happens in the demonic realm today. They get confused, and they start attacking each other, and by the time Jehoshaphat's team walks into the valley, 
The battle is already over and all the enemies have completely annihilated each other. They're dead on the ground and they walk in, the children of Judah walk in praising God for his loving kindness and, and they say, this is amazing. We're not annihilated. What do we do now? And God says, just pick up all the treasure, all the spoil. Just pick it up and take it home because the battle is won. God does it. He is good and his mercy endures forever. The chesed of God, that's, listen, that is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable loving kindness. Celebrating his goodness times infinity releases God into your now moment. Nobody messes with God's kids and gets away clean. The goodness of God causes him to fight for you and to get you through until complete victory. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we pray? I don't know what battle you're facing, but I know most people in this room are dealing with something right now. I don't know the details, but let me rest assured this. Our God not only knows what you're going through, if you're responding to him in faith and looking for his goodness, that goodness is starting to flow towards you. You just keep going. Keep praising him. Keep worshiping him. There are moments, yes, where you say, God, I'm in, I need help. You be honest with God. But what you meditate on is you're able, Father, you can do this. You want to help me because I've made a covenant with you through the blood of Jesus, not my own life, but I've made a covenant. I've made a vow. We are connected. We are in relationship. And what happens now to me, you take personally. All over this room, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're in a situation right now and you're in a battle. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're being challenged. Maybe the forces of hell have just been after you. You can feel poverty nipping at your heels or that language to try to take you back or that addiction or that relationship, that wrong relationship that already broke your heart 10 times and now you, you feel, well, well, maybe this time it'll be different. Let me tell you something. What's gonna be different is your heart. What's gonna be different is your life. What's gonna be different is your relationship with God. Somebody said to me one time, people change, but not that much. I wanna pray for you right now before we go. Because I am aware that some of you are facing an ambush that you don't even know about. The enemy's trying to drag you into something or get you to paint yourself into a corner so that you're trapped. Here's the good news. He will My God delivers from the trapper of birds. He delivers you from every trap. He is my rock, my refuge, my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Psalm 91. Meditate on Psalm 91. That's a word for somebody. Go home today, look up Psalm 91 and just read it slowly and just declare what it says to declare because our God, his loving kindness means that he's ready to fight for you. Before you leave this room, 
we can see a shift in this situation. Maybe you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is the moment. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. But maybe you already know him as Lord and Savior. This is the moment to say, God, I need you to fight for me. I need you to show yourself strong in this situation. And I'll trust you if you'll just do that. If you're here today, I'm not going to have an invitation for salvation. You can get saved right where you are right now before you leave the room by asking Jesus to come into your life. But I want to pray for you if you're in a situation where you're, I won't call it dire, but you're in a, you're in a situation with family members or situations where you need God to show up this week. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up right where you are? Just lift your hand up and keep it up for a moment. Father God, you see the hands of your people representing their hearts and their minds. Lord, we as a body, we need to see you, Heavenly Father, rise up and show up and show yourself strong in all these situations and circumstances. We pray healing over everyone around us that needs healing. We pray, we release miracles. We release the God of miracles in every situation where a miracle is needed. Father, would you be welcomed on the scene? We thank you that you're good and your mercy endures forever. We know that you are God and that you'll take care of us and you'll fight for us. I pray for every circumstance and situation represented in this room. I pray for healing, wholeness, deliverance from demonic power. I pray that just like in the story of Jehoshaphat, that as you praise God this week in the midst of the storm, that, that God will show up and annihilate your enemies, annihilate those demonic forces that are arrayed against you. Fear has no power over your mind anymore. Sleeplessness, insomnia has no power over your bed at night in Jesus' name. You have the blessing of God on your life. His word is true and he will never fail you. He loves you more than you can imagine because you feel so many times like you're unworthy. He, you're worthy because Jesus said you're worthy. You're abundant because he calls you abundant. In the name of Jesus, Lord, now we praise you in advance for every situation, for everything going on. And we know that we know that we know you're gonna take care of it. You're gonna fight for us and it's gonna come out probably better than it was before. But certainly it's gonna come out where you're on top and you're glorified through this. And we ask you to do these things in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth. And everyone said, amen, amen. Everybody say his mercy endures forever. See, that's not wimpy mercy. That's not all pat you on the head, condescending. Oh, there you go, little kid. No, that mercy has an ax to it. That mercy has power working on your behalf. Can you say amen? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.